0: Okay. Our leader for tonight is Allison. <laughs> Hi, y'all. I'm Allison. I am a compulsive overeater, bulimic, and, God, everything in between. <laughs> you know, um, Hi, Allison. Hi, I, I, I was the youngest of five in a very successful Texas family. You know, thank God I was I was saved because my dad came from Chicago. They were both alcoholics, and uh, it was crazy. And, you know, I, you know, I was young, and I didn't know what was going on um, when I was young, but I was, you know, always fed candy, you know, to shut me up because I was loud and obnoxious. I was the youngest. I wanted to get in with all the older kids. They didn't want to deal with me. And, you know, uh, I just ate. I just ate and ate and ate. And I got bigger and I got bigger and I got bigger. And then I was obese. At age 12, my mother was horrified by anything that was, you know, was that size. And it was horrible at school. I mean, it was just, I was teased mercilessly. You know, it was just a nightmare, a nightmare. If any of you who have been obese when they were young, then you, you know, it's not fun at any time. But believe me, it it was torture. And when I was 12, um, you know, I had had enough of the pain and mother's horrified looks at me. And I cut myself all up and I took 200 aspirin because I I didn't want to live. I didn't want to deal with life. I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't stop eating. You know, mom put me on all these diets, you know, and, and my sisters would gripe at me because they had to go on the diet too. You know, everybody was pissed off. And, you know, I, I meanwhile, I sneak out on my bike and get something. There was this place called Dobbs House, you know, which had, like, all different kinds of things. If anyone's from the South, you'd know it. And I got this black bottom thing, you know, and I would just hide it under the bed and eat it. And, you know, we have tons of roaches in Texas, and they would always find my stash, you know. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, seriously. And the roach man would come, and he'd go, he'd go, Miss Robertson, I think those roaches are eating all that food. So anyway, it was a nightmare. So I cut myself all up, and, um, you know, my mom decided I'm going to take her to a diet doctor. And I'm 64, so when I was 12, how many years ago? I can't even think. Somebody let me do the math. I think it was 50, yeah. And, you know, Ben Sedrine... Benzedrine is what they put me on, you know. And I, you know, I liked it when I was older, but I don't remember liking it. And I had insomnia anyway. You know, I, would, I was also a big night eater. I was an eater at any time, but I was a night eater. And, you know, even to this day, you know, I have to, my husband locks things. I know it's, not, it's kind of sneaky abstinence, I suppose, but I'm terrified of eating at night because I don't sleep. So anyway, mom also sent me to a psychiatrist. So I went and uh, I got on the Spinsodrine and then I didn't fit in with the popular crowd. So I kind of hung out with the hippies and I got into LSD and all those things. And I was still eating off and on, but you know, I I was so horrified. You know, uh, I lost some weight. And uh my parents finally I ran away from home, you know, and they sent me to a mental hospital because in those days they dealt with drug addict children, they didn't have treatment centers. I was fifteen, I was there a year and a half, I went AWOL and took LSD and then got sent to a disturbed lock ward. You know, I was the youngest person there. And um, you know, there I learned to drink coffee. And to smoke cigarettes and not to eat. But at night, I'd binge on the snacks. The food was horrible there. Terrible. I was horrible. I couldn't even eat it, which is a lot. And uh, so at night, I'd eat the snacks. But, you know, I lost all this weight. So I kind of became anorexic. And then I I learned this this bulimia thing. But, you know... um, You know, I I was always like an accordion. I was big and thin and big and thin and big and thin. Because I wasn't the kind of bulimic who just ate a little and got sick. No. I ate two bags of groceries and I would lay them on the bed. I lived in New York City and lay them on the bed and I would go from bag to bag, you know. And then I would make myself sick. So I would gain weight. On bulimia, And I was drinking and I was using drugs. So finally at 26, I bottomed out on drugs and alcohol and, um, you know, food. And I remember I felt I must, you know, I, was t- I had to go to treatment in Florida for a year. And my roommate said, you're- I was big then, she said, you're bulimic. And I I didn't even know what that meant at 26. You know, I was, yeah, I'm 64 now. That was a long time ago. And I thought, what? What's that? I thought I knew everything, but I certainly didn't know that. So anyway, I started going to meetings in Florida. And then I I moved back to New York a year later and went to meetings there. And I ran from meeting to meeting to meeting. But, you know, I was able to keep my size down at that point point. And I got married and um, kept my size down, running from meeting to meeting, never stopped, worked all the steps in both programs, worked like hell, but couldn't get abstinent. You know, I'd get a little bit, you know, for maybe a week, and then I'd blow it, and then, you know, I I was free of bulimia by the age of 30. Then I had kids. I had three kids. And uh, I would, you know, each baby was 9 pounds because I gained 65, 70 pounds with my first baby, 65 with the next, and 65. Anyway, I lost it, but it took a long time. And then I got extremely depressed. We moved to Los Angeles, and I was working all of this time I was working in different fields. And um, I was often on antidepressants. You know, when I first came into the program, nobody took antidepressants back then. I mean, it was like, are you kidding me? You know, and I'll never forget, my sponsor said, when I moved to Los Angeles, and my psychiatrist, who was the head of a chemical dependency, put me on antidepressants. She was horrified. But anyway, uh, they worked for a while to keep the, the food at bay. But they didn't work that long. And then I started changing and trying. And finally, I got uh, abstinent in another program. And it was just, I was struck abstinent. I did work the steps, all of that. But I went to a program of, oh, That's a lot, you know, more defined, the abstinence. And it taught me how to eat. I mean, it was great for that. And I was abstinent a number of years with it. And then I loved this one speaker in regular OA. She had been in since 1950. She had a very famous AA circuit speaker as her speaker. She was around with Roseanne. And she became my sponsor. And I loved her. She was great. and But I couldn't get the absence I had in that stricter program. And uh, it took me a long time. And then finally... Uh, I went back to the other program, got abstinent again a year, and then we moved here, and that was 10 years ago, nearly 11. And I came. I I think I probably weighed about 185 when we moved here. And I looked for the Hound. They didn't have it. And then I started coming to OA. And first, I was almost ashamed to come to OA, you know, because I had lost my abstinence. I was you know, I really, and what has really taught me, I am a newcomer every day. It doesn't mean that I don't want to eat. It doesn't mean that I don't want to eat. You know, I haven't had sugar in three years, in four months, or flour. So by the grace of God, that's kind of gotten lifted. But that doesn't mean there's lots of foods. I love fat. You know, I can eat the fat. So I have to be very clear about my fats. And, um... I don't want to get into the food plan because the bottom line right now for me is really coming to all of you and saying how I'm feeling, you know. Anyway, um, I came into OA and I found somebody who I liked because she was so honest. She was so honest. And so I asked her to sponsor me. As long as I've been with her, I've been abstinent. And um, I have to tell you, the thing that's really helped me is I keep working the steps. You know, everybody's different about them, but for me, they've been oh, sorry. okay, they've been a part it. Yeah, yeah, they've been a part of my life. They really have. you know, And I haven't, you know, every, every year I was so compulsive, I would write a four step in one of my programs. Every year I'm, I wrote 36, four steps. But I didn't last year in this program, and the new book, The Twelve and Twelve, came out, and I looked at the questions, and so I was like, God, those are really good. So I'm going to practice doing that. But what I want to talk about briefly is the first three steps, because right now I turn 64, I have neuropathy, I've pinched nerves, I've got pain, I have to get out of bed at night. I, you know, never was able to sleep. And I'm over, I feel like I'm over medicated. They've offered me narcotics. I say I can't take them, absolutely can't. I've tried CBD, it makes me too tired. Not the one with a lot of TH, it makes me sleepy. And, um, you know, they put me on tons of gabapentum for it. And it, it just, it's too, I'm tired. You know, I'm tired, I'm cranky. And I just had the worst weekend with people I really love. My my oldest daughter, my son-in-law, my two grandchildren, you know, and my sister, my closest sister, Lily. And I, I, you know, I was like, you know, I just want to complain. And I knew I couldn't because I'm trying so hard not to be sick, you know, for them. I don't want them to see me that way. And, you know, my grandchildren were just, I love them so much. And they were around me. But my stomach was sick. I could barely, everything was a mess. It was just a mess. And I felt so depressed, you know, in a way that I've never felt depressed before. And I've come off some of my medication because I don't, but it's not enough, you know. And, um, you know, I I looked today and I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, Talk about all twelve steps, and then I looked at it and I thought to myself, you know, okay, higher power—I call God, whatever. Higher power, should I speak about? What's honest? What's real? You know, what's not just? You should do it. You know, be real. And what I realized was, I looked at the four today and I saw grief, and I thought, okay, that's where I'm at. I'm in grief. I'm changing, I'm growing, I'm getting older, you know. Um, I'm seeing certain, I mean, I've done the six and seven steps so many times and I still haven't changed, you know. I mean, I, you know, I just, you know, my husband's constantly telling me about, he's not one of us, but awareness, awareness. And I think, you know, I, heard, I know what I'm supposed to change, but God is hard. And then sometimes I look at my family in Texas, very, a lot of mental cases there. A lot of, bi- I think my mom was bipolar. There were five schizophrenics and all that. And I start getting scared about all of it now that I'm getting older, you know. And um, the great news is, is that, you know, I've learned really to be honest and to share. And I feel really comfortable coming to these meetings and just being real. And all of it, I really, as I said, I want to do the fourth, but I'm on the first three steps. I am powerless in what I've learned. I'm not only powerless over food I'm power, or alcohol, I am powerless over people, places, and things. I can't control anyone. I have spent my life trying to get people to approve of me. You know, once I got... I was, a, I was a horrible person till I got sober. And then I felt so guilty, I tried to make it up. You know, I will help. Oh, please approve, you know, just changing myself for each person just to get approval. You know? it. You know? And um, I'm realizing at this point, I have no control, you know? The only thing that I can do is be kind and honest and real and 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 know and I have to remain absent and sober and clean to be able to do these things. But um you know I, I it's OA has given me in a way things that I think I would have not been able to do just by being cl- clean or sober. OA It's my first disease. I've had it, I think, as an infant, as a baby, as a toddler. Too, I was fed chocolate. You know, all the way. And, you know, I'm always going to have this disease. You know, I am a newcomer every day. I really am. I really am in every single thing, even with my behavior. No, as I said, I've done the six and seven. I know all my character defects are kind of the same. They get a little better, but sometimes they get worse when I'm in a place of fear. And I am in a big place of fear, you know, because I don't know what's happening. And, you know, they say if you're worrying, you're not praying. But I really find now being older that it's not that simple. You know, I used to love those lines that sort of cut across the board. Okay, well, if I pray, well, I pray with fear, but, do I trust, and that's why I'm looking at the second step you know I said well i'm turning my wool over, and then I had to really look at myself, well, do I trust that god's going to restore me to sanity in every area of my life with everything with my children, with my grandchildren, with my friends, with my sponsors with with my business, you know my publisher, whatever, and you know. And this is a this is work I need to do right now. And there are times when I feel like I had two years I was just gliding. You know, I thought, oh, I'm never going to have a bad time again. And then it started in October, and it's kind of lasting. I'm going, okay, okay, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for some freedom from this. Guess what? It's not my time. You know, and it's the trusting. It's the trusting that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And the the great news is I've been through a lot of valleys before over the last 36 years, and I do see that I come out of them. I see that. This one's just particularly long for me, and it's a little different. So anyway, um, I do have hope and faith, but it's not not the same sort of... uh, pink cloud where I feel like I'm great you know that I'm that's all gone you know I just wanna accept the ordinariness you know my, my whole life you know my, my dad and mom they were so ambitious where they drinking but it was all like this unreality yeah first lady president first lady astronaut and I'm looking up <laughs> yeah you know With a, you know, butterscotch meringue pie in my mouth. You know? It, no. I don't, I can't be anything for anyone else. I can't even be it for what I think I should be. Because I try to be too perfect. I can't be perfect. You know? I really see that. You know, I want to be. I like all my ducks in a row. But I'm really learning that doesn't happen in life. I'm trying to think of some words of wisdom. Usually I get them from the big book, you know. I'm just trying to see. I just think I want to write this because I know this. uh, When it comes to, you know, I can get very passionate and very emotional and, and think, okay, I'm praying. Okay, God, why aren't you taking this away right now? And it's not happening, you know? And so I'm the kind of person that they say, you know, to clergymen, doctors, friends, and families, the compulsive overeater who means well and tries hard is a heartbreaking riddle. There are too many of us who have been just like this. The answer has to do with the quality of faith rather and its quantity. I think I have such a quantity because I'm constantly doing all this praying, you know. I supposed I had humility when I didn't. I supposed I had been serious about spiritual practices when upon honest appraisal, you know, I found that I had been only superficial or going the other stream, I had wallowed in emotionalism. And that's kind of been... The, my faith and the way that I felt. And by the grace of God, I'm absent, but as I said, every morning I have to pray to keep that, to keep that. And, it, it, you know, without that, I, I can't do any of this. But this wallowing, this emotionalism, my mom, had, you know, it's kind of my mom, I watched her, she was oh, so dramatic, you know. <laughs> And, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be able to change. I'm trying not to be, you know. But one day at a time, you know, the the bottom line is, is for me, God's will, higher power's will, is just accepting what is. Myself, with whatever problem I'm having, you know, accepting it. Accepting the good with the bad. You know, I never understood that. But that's what to me God's will is. Thank you.